When I was in uh, college, uh, gr- just recently graduated high school, I was at LSU, uh, I was rooming with a guy from that, that we graduated together. Um, on Christmas and br- different breaks, spring break, things like that, uh, we'd always make our way home. Basically, we were running out of laundry uh, and needed it done by our moms, uh, so we made a point to come home. It was a really, really, uh, I-, I still remember, it was always kind of an awkward moment to go from the community and friends that I was making at LSU in Baton Rouge and come back home and have to face old friends uh, and the old culture of the bayou, never thinking that I would be gone for 13 years at some point and then welcomed back now at St. Hillary. Um, but I do remember when we would do this, one of the things we went back to doing was Thursday nights. Bex Pedro, right? Every Thursday night, uh, I don't know if they kicked it off yet, but every Thursday night, you know, if you want to play some Pedro, show up at Beck's. I think it's, it was $10 for the buy-in, and we're going we're gonna to make some money tonight. It's going to be great. It was awesome. We would, we would go, we would show up, we'd give our $10, and lose two games and be finished. It was, it was great. It was a tradition like no other. Um, we started, it got to the point where I started saying, I'm going to go and donate my $10 and just have an excuse to go sit at the bar and watch football, right? Um, well, I remember we were, we were out one night, we showed up, and like we knew that this night was going to be the best night that we've ever showed up to do. We're going to show up, we got there at 6.30, got there a little bit early, get our seats, make sure we could pick the right deck that got like the good feeling on it, right? We started sitting down, we like messing around talking. But we were ready to go. We're at 7 o'clock. Tournament kicks off. Ready to play. We were out at 7.30. 30 minutes. And I was like in a mood to play cards. And 30 minutes into the night, it's already shut down. I remember sitting around. We were kind of licking our wounds, wondering what happened. How did they hit that 1428? Like all this kind of stuff like that. I didn't get it. Until one day, like as we were sitting there talking, another team who lost out to and out were also licking their wounds. And they were like, man, we, we want to play cards. Do y'all want to play a cash game? Now, paint the picture. I'm a 19-year-old broke college student. All right? Sure, let's play. Not realizing that I possibly go into debt, not realizing I don't have two pennies to, to rub together right now. Like, I'm in trouble if we lose really badly and I'm owing somebody money. Like, they're going to be really angry at me. But of course, my pride, I, was, I had a little bit of an ego. I was like, let's go. Let's play. Thank goodness, at the end of it, it wasn't too bad. It was like five bucks or something. It wasn't a big deal. It was fine. But I still remember telling my dad who was also there that night, who was still in a tournament because they were good, right? I still remember telling my dad, hey, we're going to go play a cash game on this corner. And he looked at me and said, what? He knew the situation I was in. He knew that I was a broke college student and I had nothing. So that if I, was, I would lose, I was in trouble. The other thing, though, I think the reason why, and reflecting back on that, I think the reason why I said yes was because I knew I had the insurance policy of my dad behind me. 
That if I lost, that it, like before I was going to have my, knee, my knees broken or my shoes taken from me, right? Before something like that was going to happen, that I had was going to bail me out. Sounds like a kid, right? You spell, D-A, you spell dad, A-T-M, right? Um, I still remember this, that there was something about it that I just knew that my dad had my back and that it was going to be okay. Our second reading today, we hear about through one man sin enters the world and through another man we're brought redemption, right? We hear about Adam in the garden at the very beginning of creation that through one man, through his fall in in the third chapter of Genesis, that through that sin, sin enters the world. A lot of times we can think of Adam and be like, oh, <laughs> hard head, like whatever. You know, like we could always look at him and think, like we have a kind of a negative view of Adam. But honestly, we could almost see Adam as a goofy 19-year-old college student risking something that he doesn't understand. Adam has no idea what he's actually risking. In fact, he has no idea to the point that he knows his dad. He knows that the father, he knows that God who has created him, has given him life, has given him a body, has given him everything that he has in the garden and beyond, that God is there and hopefully he'll bail me out. Through one man, sin enters the world. But through another, redemption. See, the story doesn't end with the fall. The story doesn't end with Adam and Eve being banished. It's the third chapter of the Bible. There's a lot of pages after that. The story continues. And God, the Father, does love the world so much that what does he do? As John 3.16 said, that you see at football and everywhere else, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to redeem it. good father sits in the background and even though the kid does something foolish is there to bail him out when he needs to the good father is there waiting to 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 jump into action to protect and save his son whenever he possibly can i think a lot of times when we think of god the father and we think of these good attributes One thing I do want to be very, very cautious of, one thing I do want to be very, very clear about, and so much so that even the catechism points it out, is that sometimes when we think of God the Father, if our experience of earthly fathers has not been great, we can throw that on God. If our experience of earthly fathers have been flawed or broken or damaged, then guess what? A lot of times when we say God the Father, we can put that onto God. Almost as a mask. What do I mean? Well, Father, that, that sounds great. That's a, that's a good idea. I, I like the idea that you're saying, but, but look, like, dad was a, my dad ruled with an iron fist. My, my, my dad, 
He, he worked hard. He was a good man. But you know what? He ruled with an iron fist in our house. We were disciplined and we had no choice. Corporal punishment was a thing. What, what, what can, how can that translate sometimes to God? Well, if I, don't, if I do wrong, if I don't toe the line, God's going to be angry. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, like my dad, he worked, he worked a ton. He did offshore, he did shift work, he did this, he did that. He was tired, he was pouring out everything he could for the sake of our family, all good qualities. But like he didn't show up to the Little League game. He wasn't extremely affectionate. How can that translate as a mask? Well, God's distant. He's, a, he's either physically or emotionally distant. He doesn't really care what's going on in my life right now. God the Father is, neither, is not that. God the Father is not those things. God is the good Father. God is the good Father who sends His Son. And as our second reading says, right, that sin enters the world in, through one man, that God makes a point. He makes a way. He finds the solution to bring us back into communion with Him. He goes to the craziest and, and furthest degree he possibly can to make sure that we have the opportunity to be in relationship with him for all eternity in heaven. God makes a point. He makes a way that you and I, because he cares about you and I that much, that he is going to do whatever he has to, to the point of even sacrificing his own son, He's going to do whatever he has to so that you and I can live with him forever in heaven. This weekend, United States, we celebrate Father's Day. And dads, I don't know if you know this, but, but you, you hold a particular important role. Because you are the first expression, the first image of that word father that your child will ever have. You are the first image of God the Father. When they think of father, when they think of daddy, they're going to look to you and your example. How that is before God. How that translates to a loving God who's willing to go to crazy and immeasurable distances to meet us and to bring us back to him. There's a, there's a story um, that made its rounds a few years ago. Um, but in 1989, there was, a, uh, there was an earthquake in Armenia. 8.2 on the Richter scale. Um, 8.2 is, it, it flattens the entire city. This, this area in Armenia, uh, buildings collapsed, roads were, were broken open, like, it, it, it was estimated that roughly 30,000 people died in four minutes because of this earthquake. Now when this happens, 
There were a lot of different stories that came out of this area of the country, but one of the stories that came out was that there was this man, Samuel, and what Samuel did was he was bringing his son, Armand, to, to school in the morning. And every day when he would drop off his son, he would tell him, he had this little phrase that he would tell him every single time. He would say, look, son, if you ever need me, I'll be there. Love you, Dad. Love you, too. Drop him off at school. Minutes later, an hour later, something along those lines, is it morning that this, this earthquake hits, and all of a sudden it's total destruction. The man and his wife were, were fine, they were okay, and the first thing the dad thought of was Armand. So he sprinted to the school. When he gets there, he sees that the school has collapsed on itself and just breaks down. He's just staring at a, a pile of rubble where the school used to stand and is just in shock. And as a, as a, whether it be moved by love or foolishness, whatever it was, he just started to dig. He just starts moving boulders, moving rocks, moving steel, whatever it was that was in his way. As he starts to dig, other family members of kids are showing up at the same time, and they're starting to dig as well. An hour goes by, two hours, fire trucks, cops, like all these different services, service people start to show up, and some people are standing back and looking and saying, why are you doing that? That's foolish. Like, look, can't you tell? Everybody, they're all dead. Just give up. He looked, at it, he looked at the people, the bystanders chirping from the far, and he looked at them and said, you can sit there and talk or you can help me dig. And he would keep going. Eight hours in, still digging. Cramping his muscles, starting to be sore. Twelve hours in, hands are starting to bust open, blisters are moving. Like, there's chaos going on around, and people are slowly starting to drop off one by one. Twelve hours in, 14, 18 hours in, still going. He's been digging for an entire day. And the only thing that he continues, 24 hours, the only thing he continues to say in his mind is Armand. Armand. The only thing that keeps him moving is the love of a father for his son that he's not going to give up. He's not going to give up hope on him. Three hours in, still digging. At 38 hours, his hands are raw and bleeding. You can't tell where the blood starts and dirt stops. He's cramped. He's exhausted. He's been digging for a day and a half. Just as he's about to give up, moves one piece of cement. And from under the rubble, he hears, Papa? Fourteen of the 33 students in his son's class survived, including his son. He moved that piece and saw his son's face, dusty and beaten up, but still there and alive. His son looks at his classmates and said, I told you my dad wouldn't let me down. That's the promise of a good father. That's a sacrament. That's a sign that 
points us to the kind of ridiculous, crazy love that looks foolish along, the, along worldly standards. That's the kind of love that the Father has for each one of us. That God Himself would not only give His Son, but continue to step down every day for you and for I to receive Him. When we say the words of the Our Father, that's the God we pray to. When we hear about that, that God sent His Son, that's the God who sent His Son. When, we, when there's a God who's redeemed us, that's the God that we stand before. Today we come to be in communion and relationship with God our Father. One who's always waiting for us. Always open to us. And always inviting us to himself. Today, may we respond very simply. Papa. And respond to a love that is so generous. And so much more than any of us deserve that we can come before our loving Father and receive Him. Amen.